When you have a child that leaves the LDS Church, you're taking a parenting detour. Have you ended up in a place you never thought you would be? When life takes you on a different path and it seems like everything has gone wrong, it's your opportunity to learn to show up differently and to learn to love in a whole new way. No matter why your child has left the church, you're in the right place to learn how to parent through the detour with me, LDS Life Coach Tina Gosney. Buckle up, let's go on this ride together. Welcome back to episode three. I'm going to talk about a really important relationship you have today. In fact, this could be the most important relationship that you have in your entire life. And before I get into that, I want to talk about a picture that I saw in Utah a few years ago. And I know I was in Salt Lake. I was at, I think, one of the church the church buildings, and I'm not exactly sure which building it was, but I know that I saw this gigantic painting. I think it's like eight by six feet. I mean, it's huge, and it's by Brian Kershiznik. It's called She Will Find What Is Lost, and at the bottom of the painting, there's a woman. She's a little bit, she's, her head is a little bit lowered, and then flowing from her head all the way up to the top of the painting are so many people in white, dressed in white. I mean, you, I'm assuming that they're angels that are like, and they have their hands on her head and her back. And they're just like, they're helping her. And remember, this is called She Will Find What Is Lost. And I, when I saw that for the first time, I just stopped dead in my tracks. First of all, it's a giant painting. I mean, it's really hard to miss, and it's very striking. So there's that. But there's also, at the time, I was feeling really lost as a mother, and I was feeling like some of my children were, were, were very lost. And I imagined that I was that woman in the painting and that I had so much help from the other side to to bring my children back to where I thought they should be. And I talked about that painting for a long time. And I, in fact, I think I talked about it so long that my daughter who was with me on that trip, she gave me a print of it for Christmas that year. So I have this painting or a print of it hanging by my bed now. And I look at it every morning before I get out of bed. But it doesn't really mean that to me anymore. It doesn't mean my children are lost and I have this help trying to get them back. That's not really what it means. Although I think there's some value in looking at it that way. Now, I'm going to come back to this painting, but if you want to see it, you can go Google the painting. I hope I'm saying his name right. right. Brian Kershiznik. If he, if I'm not saying it right, then I apologize saying it um, how it looks, but you can go Google the painting. I will also put a link in the show notes so you can see what it looks like. It's a very beautiful painting. But remember, we are going to talk about today, like, what is a relationship? And I think if if I asked 10 different people to define what a relationship is, I'm going to get 10 different definitions. It's one of those abstract things that we all think we know what it is, but don't really know how to define it. But I'm going to define it today as the thoughts that you have about another person. So if you think about that being the definition of a relationship, just the thoughts that you have about another person then that relationship exists inside your mind and the way that you think about that person through your thoughts. 
So what determines what your thoughts are of another person? Well, really what determines what those thoughts are, are the expectations that you have for that person and how well they meet those expectations. I heard somebody say the other day, expectations are just premeditated disappointments. <laughs> and I, there's, you know, there's a lot to that. And maybe that's why we don't have great relationships because we're not thinking great thoughts because people aren't meeting our expectations. But I want you to think of a time when you had a first date. Now, this is the kind of first date where you were having a really terrible time. You couldn't wait till it was over. You were checking your phone or your watch. Um, you were just counting down the minutes until it was over and you could leave and not be with this person anymore. This is also the first date where the other person was thinking, oh, she's really great. Maybe we can have a second date or maybe, maybe this is the start of a great relationship. You are both on the same date doing the same thing at the same time. How are you both having very different experiences of the other person on this date. How does this happen? You're both on the same date, doing the same things, but you both have very different expectations than the other person. And that determined how you were thinking about that person and the date. I mean, you can do this with so many things. Like what is my relationship with, you know, you can pinpoint any person What do I expect of them? How well are they meeting those expectations? Lots of times when I talk to my clients, they talk about being disappointed in maybe some of the peer relationships or their marriage relationships that they're having. But then when they talk about their children who are younger, like elementary age, they talk about those relationships very differently. And I say, why are you talking about these two people differently? And the, it really comes down to that they have very different expectations of their child who is young versus a friend or a spouse or a peer. And that affects the way that they think about that person and the way they, the quality of the relationship that they consider that to be. Now, there is one relationship that I told you that is the most important relationship. And that is the relationship that you have with yourself. And we don't even think that we have a relationship with ourself. No, we don't really even think about it. It's just our thoughts about us. But everybody I talk to has so many, so much dislike and judgment of themselves that their relationship with themselves is terrible. And that's a problem because the way that you relate to yourself is the way that you relate to others. And the way that you think about yourself and, and, and treat yourself, it affects all the experiences that you have in your life. It affects your ability to open up to God and to receive promptings and revelation for yourself. And everything in your life is filtered through the lenses of the relationship that you have with yourself. So many problems in our world could be solved if we were just more kind to ourselves. And when I say that I want you to be kind to yourself, I don't mean go take a spa day or just go relax in a bubble bath, exercise more or take a vacation. I think those things are important to relax and to get some downtime, but that's not what I'm going to talk about today. Those things are like 
taking Tylenol for a broken arm. They're going to help you feel better for a little while, but you haven't really addressed the problem. And the problem is, is that you're thinking terrible thoughts about yourself because you have expectations that you're not meeting for yourself. Now, this might seem like a fluffy little thing to focus on, but it's really not. Because if we all liked ourselves more, the world would be a different place to live. It's the foundation of so many problems that we see in the world is that we don't like ourselves. If we liked ourselves more, we wouldn't be judging each other. We wouldn't have racism or terrorism or hate. Our children would not be full of depression and anxiety. Our marriages and our relationships with our children would be so much better and so much more peaceful. And really, all bad behavior is rooted in fear. And the most core fear that drives all of us is that we're not good enough. And the relationship you have that comes from the way that you are thinking about yourself. So think about what are you thinking about you? Because what are you expecting from yourself? How well are you meeting those expectations? How many times are you telling yourself that you're not good enough or, oh, somebody else can do that better than me or I'm just a failure or, you know, so many ways. We say this to ourselves in so many different ways. And if you're thinking that you should be different, your thoughts about you are not going to be very nice. They probably are even kind of mean and judgy, I've got to say. I've been working on my relationship with myself for years, and I've come a long way, but I still have a long way to go. And I'll be working on my relationship with myself for the rest of eternity. So I don't think that's ever something that I'm going to stop working on. It's just the way it's supposed to be. But it's never too late to begin to have a better relationship with yourself, no matter how old you are. I'm going to give you five things today to help you work on your relationship with yourself. Five things to consider and five things that you just want to think about. So the first one is everybody thinks that they're not good enough. It is a common thought in all of our brains across all humans. We all think that we are not good enough. We all question our value as a human, but we rarely see that in other people. We see it very strongly in ourselves. We don't consider that everybody else is feeling the same way. Sometimes this looks like shame and fear. Sometimes it looks like pride. We have a rating system for people and we put ourselves somewhere on this scale. Like, oh, that person has more money than me. Her house is cleaner. She's smarter. She's more educated. People like her more. Her husband is nicer to her than mine is to me. Things like that. We put ourselves way down low on the scale. Sometimes we put ourselves high on the scale. That's called conceit and pride. The truth is that no person has more value than another person. We are just different. And your value doesn't come from anything that you have, anything that you do. It just comes from who you are. Your value was set by God before you ever came to this earth, and it can't be changed. And we all have our own progression line. And it's not an up and down line. It's not a vertical line. It is a horizontal line. And there is no end to either side. We've been progressing for eons. We will continue 
progressing for eons. We do not need to compare our progression to anyone else's line and anyone else's progression. But as long as you are on this earth, you will struggle to see your value and you will struggle with this concept. But isn't it good to know that it's a human thing and it's not just a you thing? So be aware of that and don't get frustrated or angry with yourself when you see your brain wanting to tell you that other people are better than you. When you notice it, don't make it a problem. It's just a part of your life. You don't need to give it attention and you don't need to give it fuel. There's a book that I really love called Atomic Habits. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's written by James Clear. And one thing that he says in that book is, peace occurs when we don't turn our observations into problems. So when you are noticing your brain going to tell you that you're not as good as somebody else or that you're failing in some way or that you'll never measure up. If you focus on that, you're turning your observation into a problem and you will not find peace in your life. Because anytime we focus on something, it grows bigger. So if you're focusing on the ways that you feel like you don't measure up, you're going to make those bigger in your life. They will become bigger in your mind Your brain will literally focus on those more because that's what it's supposed to do. You will see more failure. You will see more of what you don't want to see. Okay, so that's the first one. Realize that everybody feels like they are not good enough. The second one is I want you to celebrate your wins and forgive your mistakes. So when we're around other people, we can hide a lot of things. We can't hide from ourselves. You know, I take a shower and fix my hair and put on makeup and try to look presentable when I go out. And people don't usually see me just coming straight out of bed when I don't look my best and maybe have bad breath because I have, you know, morning breath. I see me. I see all my flaws. I see all my shortcomings. I see all my mistakes. Um, Nobody else sees the things that I see. They might see a little snippet or a little piece of it, but nobody sees the big picture like you do. I'm very well aware of my flaws and mistakes. And you are too, but we are not aware of everybody else's flaws and mistakes. We want everybody to think that we're perfect, right? We want to always present this picture to other people that that our, we've got it together and that we're, we do things well and we're capable, intelligent people. And we want to appear perfect to others. Why do we want to appear perfect? Because the truth is nobody's perfect. And the people that we perceive to be perfect, we usually don't like them very much. We're actually annoyed by think people that we think are perfect. So why do we feel like we need to be perfect? We compare their Sunday best to ourselves after doing yard work all day. So realize that you are going to be hyper aware of your own shortcomings and mistakes and hyper aware of other people and the things that they're doing well. And you're going to compare yourself and try to put forth a perfect picture. But you don't need to do that. Now, when you do a good job, do you acknowledge it and celebrate it to yourself? You know, remember that the the relationship that you have with yourself, your thoughts are based on your expectations of yourself. 
So the little things that you expect yourself to do every day, do you acknowledge those to yourself? Do you tell yourself, good job? Do you celebrate the things that you expected yourself to do and that you did? Or do you say, I should have done more, I should have been better? Some, just some of the things that I expect myself to do every day. I expect myself to make my bed every morning when I get out of it. I expect myself to shower and clean and brush, shower my, myself and, and clean myself up and brush my teeth every day. And I expect myself to do other things like to connect with my children, to give my husband a kiss before he leaves and tell him I love him before he leaves for the day. I expect myself to do things like that too. And I don't always meet my expectations. But think about if you never acknowledged anything good that your spouse did and you only criticized them. Because that's what you're doing, most of us do to ourselves. We criticize for ourselves for the things that we think we haven't done good. And we don't acknowledge the things that we have done. If you did this to your spouse, you probably wouldn't have a very long marriage. So talk to yourself every day and celebrate the big and small successes that you have. And thank yourself for all the good things that you're doing. Acknowledge those to yourself. And our brains are really designed to look for the negative. We have a negativity bias. Our brains give so much weight to negativity, we don't even realize it. We just think this is the way things are. But our brain is just doing its job. It's, try- it's just trying to keep us alive. It's looking for danger because it thinks that you might die. I talked about this in the last episode, and I'll probably mention it many more times because it's something that we all deal with. So have you ever given a talk or performed a musical number or given a lesson in church and you had, you know, a handful of people tell you how much they loved it. And one person said maybe something a little negative or maybe even just on the edge, you know, not, not really negative, but not positive at the same time. Well, probably the only thing you can think of is the negative comment. And you forget about the, the handful of other comments that were positive and that gave you a compliment. This is what your brain is designed to do. It is designed to focus on those things that you consider negative because it thinks they're a threat to your life. And it thinks you're going to die. And researchers have said now that you have to compliment yourself more than you criticize yourself. And the ratio needs to be at least four to one. If you aren't doing at least four compliments to one criticism, you are not having a good relationship with yourself. And if you're not doing this for yourself, you're probably not doing it for the other people in your life because you need to be doing this for others in your life or they will not feel like you are a positive force in their life. So when you're getting ready for bed, I want you to look in the mirror and tell yourself, hey, good job today. Thanks for all you do. And acknowledge some of the things that you did that you, that you expected yourself to do. And acknowledge some of the things that you did that you didn't do a great job at. But instead of beating yourself up for it, just ask yourself, hey, what was going on for you when you did that? What were you feeling when you said that to that person? What were you feeling when you did that thing today that was not great? Because there's a reason we do everything in our lives. Take the time to find out why you did what you did or why you said what you said and then forgive yourself for it and move on. You don't need to dwell on it. Just acknowledge it and move on. 
Your brain is going to want to tell you all the things and keep listing them over and over and spin on it. So let it tell you that and then let it go. It's in the past and it doesn't matter anymore. Okay, number three is I want you to know who you are and what you need to take care of you. There's a lot of messages in the media. The media feeds us so many harmful messages that we need to look a certain way or have a certain product to be cool or have a certain amount of money or status. But none of this is true. And the media wants to tell us that we should judge ourselves by their standards. But we don't have to do that. We don't need to accept it. And I want you to, I want to give you some things that I don't want you to judge yourself by. You are not your body, your weight, whatever your body looks like. That is not, that is not the measure of your value. You should not value yourself by your appearance, by the condition of your house, by your kids' choices, by your financial situation, by how many things you got done or you didn't get done today. You should not measure your value by your mistakes or your achievements. Notice those are both two ends of the same coin. Mistakes or achievements, both of them are poor measures of your value. Do not value yourself by your job, by your level of busyness, by your calling at church, and by your thoughts and emotions. Now, if we don't judge and value ourselves by these things, then how do we know who we are? If I asked you to describe yourself, what would you, what would you come up with? How would you describe yourself? What words would you use to describe yourself to someone else? Would you define yourself by your roles? Are you a wife or a husband, a mother or father? Maybe by your job, are you a teacher or a dentist? So if you define yourself by these roles, what happens when those roles change? Maybe you won't always be a wife or a husband. Maybe you won't always be a mother or father. Maybe your job will change. And what happens if and when those roles change? That's when we get into an identity crisis. You, t- you hear about you know, parents having an identity crisis and having that empty nester syndrome when all their kids leave and they don't know who they are anymore. And they look at each other and, and aren't even familiar with the person that they're married to. What happens if you get divorced or you have a spouse that passes away? What happens if you have a job or career change? These are tricky things to navigate if you just define yourself by your roles. You don't know who you are anymore. And if you aren't any of those things, they're just the things that we do, then who are we? Well, one thing that we are is dynamic. And I used to be a music teacher for 30 years. And I would teach my students all the time about dynamics. And dynamics in music are the changes that we have in the volume level. So those are the louds and softs of the music. And I would tell my students, because they always wanted to just kind of play neither really soft and neither really loud. They wanted to stay kind of in a middle dynamic or a middle volume range. And I would tell them, if you keep playing like this and you don't let yourself really loud or really soft and you never have any change, you're going to get bored. You're going to get bored of playing this song and everybody that's listening to you is going to get bored of listening. 
They're going to not want to listen anymore because it's there's no change. So one thing that we are is dynamic. We are changing all the time. And that's how it should be. We are supposed to be on this earth, constantly changing and evolving. We, have, we all spend time on this earth having experiences and we learn and we evolve through them. And your experiences are just for you and for you to learn from. And my experiences are just for me and for me to learn from. And as you learn about you and you learn the, you know, how to become the person that you're supposed to be, you're going to realize that part of you is amazing and part of you is a mess. And this is just the way it's supposed to be. But be curious about who you are and why you do the things the way that you do and why, the, why do you think the way that you think. Because as you become curious about who you are, it actually helps you to evolve faster as a person. And realize that you are a complete person. Confidence is really embracing yourself in your, all your messiness, all your strengths and all your weaknesses. It comes from acknowledging both and letting it be okay. Say yes to all of it. This is all of me. Stop thinking that there's wrong, something wrong with you because you're not better. And that, that you're better than maybe on the flip side, that, that you're better than other people. Now, I, I think it's really important to know who you are and pay attention to what your body is trying to tell you. Because then you know where to go to fix the things that you might want to fix. And I had this experience over the last 10 years. About 10 years ago, I started having a lot of hip pain. And it was actually 10 years ago, it wasn't pain. It was just more of annoyance. I think up and from 5 to 10 years ago, it was pretty much just an annoyance. And then at 5 years, it started to be painful it was hard to sleep. It was hard to walk. It was hard to sit. And my hips were just out of alignment. And I had been putting it off and ignoring what my body was trying to tell me, that it needed for me to pay attention to it. And I started going to the chiropractor. And each time I would go to the chiropractor, he would put my hips back into alignment. And it would last for maybe a day or two. And they would it would pop out again. And I'd be back in pain. And it was just, I knew it was a temporary fix because it was happening time and time again. And I was just telling myself, I don't have time to look for something different. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to, I'll do that when I have more time. I'll just stick here with um, going to the chiropractor. So it's, it will give me some temporary relief. Now I needed a different solution because this really wasn't working. And I wasn't taking the time to pay attention to what my body was trying to tell me. And I found a myopractor who lives a thousand miles away from me. Now I know that this myopractor could help me because 25 years ago she helped my husband as he hobbled into her office and walked out a different person. So I, but every time I went to her, I was going to have to travel a thousand miles because there are no myopractors. In fact, if you're looking for a myopractor, it's very hard to find one. So on my first and second visit, she said to me, your body's not ready for me to put your hips back into alignment. I can only take you so far. I need you to go home and do these exercises and then come back. And that was twice. Those were two visits of traveling a thousand miles. <laughs> I was a little bit disappointed because I wanted her to do what she did with my husband and just 
I walk in and she fixes me and then I'm done and I don't have to go back. But that was not my case. So she gave me daily exercises. I found additional daily exercises that I did on my own because I needed to relax those muscles in order for her to put my hips back where they were supposed to be. And on the third visit, she said, oh, good job. Yeah, you are ready. Let's put your hip back where it belongs. And she gave me some other advice too. But if you think about this chiropractor that I was going to, that was my Band-Aid for a broken arm. I could have gone to him for years, and I did go to him for years. And I've never really would have addressed what my body really needed. And it's not that he wasn't a good chiropractor. He was really good at what he was doing. And I asked my chiropractor, I said, why couldn't this, the chiropractor do this for me? And she said, honestly, he just doesn't have the expertise of what your problem is to be able to solve it for you. So it's really important that you find the, the proper help for you that you're going to need to address your specific situation. And it's important for you to listen to your body because it's trying to tell you something. I was looking in the wrong place and giving my body, not giving it the attention that it deserved. Where in your life are you putting a Band-Aid on a broken arm? What are you not paying attention to that your mind or your body need? Because your body is a gift from God. And so many of us are abusing our bodies and ignoring what they're trying to tell us. So pay attention to what it's trying to tell you and find the right help for your problem. Number four is I want you to talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself. Your brain is going to chatter all the time. You've probably experienced this. It's like a toddler that has a lot to say. You ever had like a three-year-old in your house? They talk all the time. They just talk about every single thing that pops into their head. And that's what our brains do. It just has a lot of chatter. And it's always operating, looking for the negative things so that it can keep you alive. And it also, remember, it also operates from the idea that there's something wrong with you. And it wants to tell you this all the time. It's going to tell you what's wrong with your house and your spouse, the whole world, your kids, your finances, your bank account, everything, it's going to tell you that you should be worried and scared about those things that are coming up. But that's not you. Those are just your thoughts. And that's just your brain trying to keep you alive. And this is the brain that we inherited from our ancestors. It's a very useful brain most of the time. But when we only live from that part of our brain and we let it run the show, that's not useful. So don't just let it give you all these thoughts without answering them. You can come up with thoughts that you say to yourself when you see your brain going into the negative, into a negative space. You can say something like, everything's okay. Thanks for keeping me safe. Acknowledge it. It wants to be acknowledged. You can say, I'm all right. You can calm down. Everything is fine. You can just notice it and say, oh, there's that again. But don't get angry with yourself for thinking these thoughts. So if, you're, if your child was telling you all the things that they think are wrong with them, what would you say to your child? Answer your brain like you're talking to a person you love. Like the person that you love the most. They're just mistaken. You would say to your child, I don't know what you're talking about. You're a wonderful person. But we don't take the time to say that to ourselves. 
And why don't we? So I want you to find the thoughts that work for you. We work on this a lot in coaching, talking to yourself more than you listen to yourself. Because whatever you think about yourself, you are going to make come true in your life. That's another thing that your brain does. Whatever you decide to believe, it wants you to be right. So it goes to work in your life to create that and make it true. It just wants you to be right. Now, the fifth thing I have for you is, this is a really powerful one. Please don't skip this. You might be tempted to skip it. Now, if you do this one, you're going to find so many interesting things about out about yourself. And that number five is, I want you to write a letter to yourself. So my husband and I were going through old boxes the other day, and we found the letters that we had written each other when he was on his mission. Really interesting to see what our 19 and 20-year-old selves wrote to each other and the thoughts that we were thinking back then. But it was also really interesting to see the kind of things that we wrote then, and this is over 30 years ago, versus how people communicate today. Because nobody really writes letters anymore, puts a stamp on them and sticks them in a mailbox and waits for them, waits for a reply. We have these instant messaging, so many ways to instant message each other. And even in an email, we don't, we're not really intentional. And that's what I want you to do with this letter to yourself. And that's what we found going through those mission letters is that we were very intentional in what we wrote to each other. So in a letter, you don't say, hey, what's up? What's new? How's everything going? You might say that in a different form, but really we spend more time saying things like, hey, this really cool thing happened to me the other day. Let me tell you about it. Or thanks so much for the advice that you gave me when I was struggling. It really helped me to see things in a different way. You're going to say things like that in letters that you write out with a piece of paper and a pen rather than just typing it on a keyboard. Now, when you write a letter to someone, you are so much more intentional and it's so much more intimate because you really think about the things that you want to say. And if you were going to write a letter to yourself, you would really want to think about the things that you wanted to say to yourself. So I want you to go grab a piece of paper. I'm going to give you some prompts to write about. You can use one of mine or one of your own. It's totally up to you. But write a brief letter to yourself like you're writing to an old friend and you're reconnecting. Okay, if you need to pause, push pause and go grab that piece of paper. Okay, first thing you're going to write is dear, write your name. Now use one or maybe you want to use all of these prompts. The first one is, I'm so sorry for, or you can use, I admire you for, this next one is a good one. It is, I'm so grateful to you for, and the last one is, from here on out, I promise, If you decide to use all of these prompts, you are going to find out a lot about yourself. You are going to maybe be crying by the time you're done because a lot of things will come up for you as you write this letter to yourself. 
It's so important to be intentional with how you think about yourself. Now, remember that picture I talked about at the beginning? She Will Find What Is Lost by Brian Kershiznik. The woman at the bottom of the picture with all the angels helping her from the other side. And I really felt like those angels were helping me find my lost children. But now I know that those angels and all this help that I'm getting from the other side is helping me first to find me. I am the one that was lost. I needed to find me so that I could be different. And every one of us is lost on this earth and needs to find ourselves. This is why we're on this earth. It's not just about taking care of other people. And you really can't do that anyway until you take care of yourself. I've given you five ways today that you can take care of yourself. You're going to come up with others, and that's wonderful. Realize that every single experience that you have on this earth is for you to teach you something, to invite you to grow and learn, and to bring you closer to Christ so that He can heal you. So, if you want your life to be different, you have to rewrite the story that you're telling yourself about you. How would you describe yourself to someone else? Would you describe someone you love in the same way you described yourself? Those are great questions to ask yourself. How can you celebrate the small things that you do every day? How are you going to talk to you talk to yourself more than you listen to yourself? And how are you going to be intentional in taking care of what you need, what your mind and your body need? I want you to take some time and ponder those questions. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you would like to share with me what you've come up with, you can always reach me, info at tinagosney.com. I'll put that in the show notes. You can always email me and share with me how this has gone for you. And if you're not on my email list, you should be on my email list. I send out help each week to the people that are on my list. And I let them know about upcoming classes and workshops and things that I'm working on that they might be interested in. And you're going to want to be on my email list to find those things out. So go to tinagosney.com. Up at the top, you're going to see a button that says start here. Just push that, put in your email, and you will be on my list. And when you do that, you're also going to get a free PDF training called Five Ways to Feel Better Right Now. It's a short training that you can do in a half an hour, and but it's really powerful things that you're going to find in there. Thank you so much for being with me today. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening to Parenting Through the Detour podcast. I'm your host, Tina Gosney. If you want to learn more about my work, please visit me at tinagosney.com. That's T-I-N-A-G-O-S-N-E-Y.com. And don't forget to subscribe and follow this podcast. I'll see you next week.